the Jewish Divorce Project. Because marriage doesn't always work out and chicken soup doesn't always help. busy i've been getting busy well with yeah. the political stuff with the meme that you just put out that was really cool that's not political that's apolitical well it's parental and political is what it is which yeah, is appropriate that's... for our conversation today yeah it is what happens right. when you and your ex disagree politically an appropriate conversation for election day do you and your ex disagree politically do me and my ex do me and tamar disagree politically uh, for the most part, no, no. Um, I'm not gonna reveal, you know, party lines or who voted for who or anything like that, but we've really only disagreed when it's come to primaries. There's a broad field and you're trying to narrow it down. Um, but when it comes to presidential elections, we've pretty much always agreed. Yeah, we've always agreed. Interesting. Yeah, but we disagree. You. you disagree? My ex and I disagree, but neither of us are political. And when we were married, we were, very apolitical. It wasn't sure. something that we discussed for, for the most part, but now politics aren't politics anymore. And we have different views and values and, and different perspectives on many things, including politics. I only know about, I don't talk to him about politics. I, I, you know, it's not something that we discuss and there's no need for us to discuss it, but I hear through my children. And because this election and last election was so polarizing, they're very well aware that Oh, one's voting for this one and one's voting for the other one. They're, yeah. they're kind of yeah. watching with with more, way more curiosity than they would do in other elections because they're aware of how much is at stake here and how different we view how differently we view things. It almost makes the whole. I first of all, I really liked what you said about how politics is not politics anymore. It, it just makes me think about how politics is about trying to understand what someone else is going through and understand their experience too, and trying to work it out so you can both have a win in that way, right? To make it work. That's what politics is, making it work. And at least that's what I've learned kind of in a communal sense, but like, it's not that anymore. And it's insidious that way that like, it's so divisive, it can be even more divisive to your family. I remember, I mean, I do remember having arguments when Trump was first elected about kind of the despair that we were feeling and like that kind of creeping in and like politics, like wearing us out in that way. And like me wanting to be like, I can't do anything about it. Like I voted for who I voted for, right? Which wasn't Trump, but like I voted for who I voted for and like he's still president and I can't do anything about it. So back off, right? I realize you're upset, I'm upset too. And like, we would get into fights about that, which isn't healthy either. Like that's what's so insidious about this is that like our freaking leaders can't get it together enough Right, so that like life can be stable for everyone when life is already unstable. Right, we were, I was already divorced in that first election. So we never went through that. And I just missed those days when I could bury my head in the sand and know nothing about politics. I still know nothing about politics, but yet somehow society tells me, demands that I need to have a, an opinion about it, which, which I do. It's hard to not have an opinion these days. Um, do you find yourself wanting to have more of an opinion now that you're divorced and separated from your community? About politics in general or this yeah. election? Politics no, in general. No, I election. want to have zero opinion. I want to have nothing to do with this. I want the world to be run by 
by good leadership with morals and ethics. I want to continue doing my job, my part in the world, and I don't want to be involved in any of this. I just want to go to bed. Oh man, going to bed, that would be awesome. Oh, I wish I could skip today. Did you vote already? Yeah, I voted by mail. I voted weeks ago. I got it done, man. I didn't want to have any part in today, really. It's just like, yeah. let me get it done and let me sign it and seal it and deliver it. And that's it. I'm done. <laughs> For a lot of people, this isn't just about electing a new leader. Like this is a life or death thing. This is the end of the world, beginning of a new life sort of thing. Good versus evil, right? What do you do though, if you think that like your ex's political views and associations and who they deem to be appropriate leaders and models for our society might actually be harmful for your children. So that's that's what I'm going through, <laughs> um, you know, because because we're talking about such polarizing politics. So uh, whatever the opposite side is, it's like a it's gut wrenching, right? Because it's yeah. not politics anymore. So. I mean, I can speak personally for me, there's, it's, it's just the same general approach to co-parenting just needs to apply now in terms of, there are two sides to every story and it's not, a, it's not a black and white issue. And while you may have very, very strong opinions about the characters of both these candidates, there are a lot of other complexities involved in their policies and in just in their histories and, and so many other parts. And there's another side to be heard. There, there really is. And I think this is an excellent opportunity. You cannot change your ex's political views. And if you can, I, I, please be in touch with me if you have that power. Bottle it and sell it. Please, yeah, let, let us know how. <laughs> so you can't, you have to accept reality. There's this right. the acceptance that this is the reality. Fighting and screaming and kicking and name calling is not gonna get you anywhere. It's just gonna give strength to the other side's argument. So accept model good behavior and listen to the other side. There's another perspective. It's so hard because it's not politics, because it's emotional. We're voting emotionally. It triggers all of our emotions come out. We're not thinking rationally and we don't have rational discussions. We just have very emotional discussions. And it's about listening. I listen, my kids talk about, they hear a lot from the other side and I listen to what they have to say. Um, sometimes I feel qualified that I can have a rebuttal. Sometimes I don't, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, and then that, you know, you do your best. Just model being a good human being and hope for the best. And then hope yeah, they turn out like you. I don't think you need to be a political pundit by any means. I don't think you need to be able to refute your ex's political views. I think this is, you know, when it comes to politics, this is about just doing it for the sake of the kids, right? Modeling something else for them. The more important things about that dialogue, like you're talking about disagreement without disrespect. We talk about that all the time in the Jewish tradition about how we can come together and have different views and that there can be disagreement without disrespect. That's an important thing to model in anyone's home, particularly when it comes to any number of things outside of politics, when it comes to any it's number hard, of- It's hard to do that though, when you're so triggered and when you're so emotionally invested in what you think is clear, right or wrong. And I think a lot of us can take a step back and see, even though we feel with our hearts truly that there is right and wrong here, there, there is another side and that other sides and other opinions are valid, even in situations like this. You know, it, you that point of stepping back, I've uh, remarked to a friend once that parenting is, is a participant observer. Like you can't be totally in it 
uh, all the time without taking a step back to actually observe what's going on and see how you are impacting things and what's going on and what's happening to you as well. And you can't constantly be an observer either. You have to be an active participant and kind of stepping in and stepping back are really part of it. And that what you're speaking about there, those moments where you get really emotionally charged whether it's politics or anything. And that certainly happens to me. I get to be emotionally reactive about things. I have to step back, right? And particular, and again, when it comes to politics, it's stepping back and saying, what am I communicating to my children in the midst of all this, right? Because they're gonna get lost on the political views and they're gonna think that this is just about yelling at each other and it's not. And then that just devolves into everything else about the relationship. Our parents can't do anything together. And just imagine the type of impact that would have on a child when they saw that. Like, it's not just that like parents, you know, can't talk politics, that's one thing, but they can't even get along civilly, right? Right. With, people, with each other. Right. I think another good thing to focus on is to talk about what issues stir your heart and what is important to you from, you know, without degrading the other side and the other side is so awful and they did this and these are their policies and this is what they're gonna do and this is what they've done in the past. Talk about issues that speak to your heart, why they're important. Teach your kids that. Speak from passion. That that says uh, so much when you speak from the place of passion. I completely agree. It's another opportunity to be engaged and to talk to them about the ideas that are important and that you do want to pass on to them, right? It shouldn't just be about not wanting to get into an argument with someone, but it could be about real civic engagement. This could be an opportunity to teach them about civil disobedience. This could be an opportunity to teach them about peaceful protesting, right? All those things are wrapped up in these moments that are kind of there for us to teach them. But if we get so emotionally involved, we miss them all the time. Is I there mean, any voting system in Judaism? Where Do we see voting anywhere there? Where do we yeah. vote? Do we vote? We have leadership and leadership is certainly appointed. Yeah. Not, it's not a, it's not a communal vote. Uh, no, as far as I know, there's no votes. I mean, you know, kings are anointed by God, right? Leadership prophets are also anointed. They're kind of selected by God and they step up. And that's part of the tension, I think, between, you know, leadership in the Jewish tradition and the people is that they're always trying to find a balance. Moses is always having difficulty with the Israelites, calling them stiff neck, right? which I think is something that a lot of leaders feel about the people that they're trying to lead, that it's difficult to kind of reach them all and get them all to move in one particular direction. And sometimes they complain, but that's what leaders have to deal with. And, and the population also has a difficulty with uh, leadership too, that expects a lot for them, that wants to be able to trust them and know that their leadership is, is leading them in the right direction. I mean, there's plenty of times when our ancestors are wandering through the desert where they said we would have been better off in Egypt. We like the last leadership. We should reelect that guy. And they lose hope. And then there's pieces in the Talmud in which we talk about, uh, you know, just as the leader, so goes the generation. And just as the generation, so goes the leader. Nice kind of rabbinic way of looking at how we interact with the leaders around us, that there's a a reciprocal impact on one another. We can influence them, but they can also influence us. And I think that's part of the scariness of what we're seeing right now too, is how our leaders are really influencing us and how sometimes they can influence us in really scary ways. What about um, race relations? Did you and your ex- Pro, pro or con. <laughs> well, my point is, what was it like over the summer? Because me and my ex had some conversations, some heated or at least tense conversations about 
taking the boys to the protests that were going on. I really didn't know where you were going with that. Um, race relations. <laughs> what we did not discuss it. We have a, a in general, we have a pretty hands-off policy when it comes to respective parenting. Um, you do you, I do me. That's just how we approach it. Um, he took my son to a to a protest. I I'm pro the movement. I was a little bit nervous about the potential violence and danger. And it was just a, a very good moment for me to, to sit back, have gratitude for the perspective that he has and for what he's willing to do and for what he's teaching my son and that I didn't have to do it and that he did it. And even if I wouldn't have felt comfortable going or taking a child, um, I can appreciate his perspective there. But we're on the same page in, in that regard, in race relations. Well, I wasn't being race relations is the wrong, I think, way to introduce it. <laughs> I meant kind of the protests that were going on this summer as a result yeah. of Breonna Taylor's murder and Ahmaud Aubrey's murder and George Floyd's murder. And so, you know, just kind of talking about that inevitably came up in my conversations with Tamar. She was interested in taking the boys. I was not. I was... Uh, not that there are boys who are unaware of it by any means. I mean, our kids know actually a lot about the tensions between the black community and the police community. Uh, my kids have black friends who they worry for uh, in that way, thinking that their friends are in danger constantly. And we have to remind them that they're not constantly in danger, but that we should be concerned. We've talked about the ideas of racism and equality and anti-racism. And we've talked to them about anti-Semitism as well. I was reluctant to take him to the protests only because of everything else that was going on between um, just the, the, well, with the pandemic and then the quarantine and not having anything else to do, no summer camp for the summer, all that stuff, just kind of like adding to the mix of it. I was, I was concerned that it was just going to um, be tension and anxiety inducing for them. And I didn't want that to be something that they were experiencing. And I knew, I, I, unfortunately, there are going to be other moments to talk to them about this stuff. So they were aware of what was going on, but I didn't want to take them directly to those experiences. Well, your kids are young. They're not, yeah, they're nine and six. But right. you saw my, a lot. My of son is is fifteen. So it's, it's very different. You're right, but I saw a lot of parents on Facebook, and maybe that's California for you. I don't know, but I saw a lot of parents on Facebook with kids under ten who took them to the protest and. I mean, God forbid, if they did turn violent, that would be a whole other kind of scary thing I would need to deal with and potentially process with them. And that wasn't something I wanted to put my kids in. Right. And those um, are difficult conversations because if you're co-parenting, there generally are certain rules about children's safety that might be set up in your settlement agreement. And so- We have nothing about riots in our, in our settlement. We were very short-sighted when we wrote out our agreement. I don't know that it needs to say it explicitly. Uh, you know, you can talk about the general welfare and the safety of children. It does have to come but with that. Is, that is gray that. area. You know, it, that's yeah. it's when you, when you don't talk about specifics, there's so much there's so much wiggle room. So, you know, he would have argued that it was safe and that it was a peaceful protest, and and, and at the end of the day, nothing happened, and and it was pretty safe. Sure. But but then you also have to. There's also another side of 
when you feel democracy or your democracy or a community's democracy is at risk, are we going to sit back and just say, well, it's not safe. <laughs> you know, I, it's too dangerous for me to engage. You know, and maybe that's part of it. It's the risk involved and teaching your children that you sometimes have to take risk involved and you might see things you don't want to see that are, that are hard to process. And that is the world we're living in. And that's the stand we have to take. We're on the same page. It's about age. I'm just glad my ex did it. Not, <laughs> he went and did it. And I, I, I didn't have to. Leave the dirty work to him, huh? That's, That's right. the way it goes. Okay. <laughs> he put right. it on himself. I didn't ask him. Um, and I was surprised, actually, because, like I said, we were so apolitical, the two of us. And we never discussed politics. I was so surprised he went. I, I'm like, really? I didn't know. I had no idea. Um so that was a surprise, but I think everything has just gotten so shaken up in the past few years that he felt compelled to to take a stand and took my son along with him. Got to applaud that in some way, right? Yeah, I think he made them um, dress up. It, I I think he had them dress in Shabbos clothes, so they all they went in suits and Shabbos shoes. He wanted to prove a point. I think he wanted to look like specifically that. as an Orthodox Jew. I like it, that a lot. I got to tell you. It was a Friday afternoon, and I think that was the point that he was trying to make. I just remember because they walked a lot, and my son was complaining because he was in like, uncomfortable shoes. Shabbos shoes. I would have. I would have yeah. complained. I know exactly what that's like. I, I I like that a lot, though. I think that's really beautiful. That's a very Heschel kind of way. You know, I was praying with my feet when he went to go march on Selma. That's a really lovely image too. That is nice. I, you know, you bring this up, and it's kind of these are exercises in trust. You may really disagree with them vehemently on their political beliefs and you know who they associate with, but ultimately they're their own individual and this is an exercise in trust for you. It is, and it, I actually kind of, I'm sure that this, this statement will come back to, to bite me, but I like our approach a little bit of you do you and I do me because it allows me to trust easier. When I, I feel like I didn't have a say there in whether he's gonna take my son to the protest. And I'm, I'm kind of okay with that. I trust him. I don't think he's going to explicitly try and put himself or our son in danger. And I can appreciate the value in his perspective and him teaching my son yeah. from his perspective. Yeah. And I'm like, I, well, okay. I it's like that Jewish mom that doesn't want to know, you know, tell me when it's over. <laughs> That's lovely. That's very nice. Yeah. Got anything else for me, chief? I didn't vote random yet. Random hardball questions about what's involved in the Jewish tradition. <laughs> hey, Rabbi. <laughs> Gotta come prepared. Know your All stuff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just had never, I never thought about it before, but I, um, I, I think there's an interesting parallel of of this, the political climate that we're in right now is not, is not about the individual. And um, that's really what we're arguing about so much. And then in Judaism, I find it to, to also not be about the individual. Well, I certainly think that the climate that we're in now, there are a lot of people feeling like individual rights are getting trampled on. There are certain people scared for uh, their natural human and civil rights as well being taken away. Um, Certainly in the Jewish tradition, we argue for those things and the dignity of each human being as being a natural right. We talk about the idea of being made, but Elohim and that being inherently something. This is 
right from the beginning of the Torah, that being being made in the image of God as being something that inherently endows us with the right to dignity. That's just what it is. And with dignity, in order to get dignity, come with any number of rights and opportunities and freedoms. That's just naturally what it is to be alive. And so fighting for those kind of communal elements helps reinforce the elements of the individual, or maybe it's the other way around. Fighting for the individual elements helps reinforce the larger communal structure as well, because it means that more people are included. Yeah. And everyone's free together. Everyone's free together. What a lovely, it's like a lyric. But six feet apart. <laughs> we are all free, but together. Hey. Let's, see, let's see how free and together we feel tomorrow. Oh God. <laughs> or in 10 days. Or you're Florida, Florida can get their act together. <laughs> oh man. So if you, if you have a story of a time where you vehemently disagreed with your ex, but maybe came to learn something great about them from it or about yourself, like trust, or just didn't work out well, and you learned something also from that, uh, send it to us at the Jewish Divorce Project at gmail.com. We also have a website. What's the name of the website, Sheba? thejewishdivorceproject.com. And you can also- And there you can find information, um, past episodes, information about Noam, about myself, more about the work that we do within this community and how to contact us if you so desire. Wonderful. Go vote. Go vote, everyone. <laughs> and stay at peace. Try to stay at peace for everyone's sake. Go vote and breathe. Yes. <laughs> All right. Peace out. Although no one's going to hear this before Tuesday, so. <laughs> but it won't matter anyway, because the votes won't be counted by then. So it'll still be topical. Oh, my God. It'll certainly be topical and the world erupts in civil war. Please oh, don't. Come on. Don't go there. Stop. I'm afraid of it too. Don't say it. If you say it, it's going to happen. Really? Because I've said a lot of things that haven't happened. <laughs> Don't say Beetlejuice three times in the mirror either. <laughs> My kids wealth, 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 wealth. <laughs> <laughs>